Human beings have been sharing stories for hundreds of thousands of years. And with those stories came the emotional, spiritual, and physical knowledge of the ancients. Shaman Durek, a sixth generation shaman and best selling author of Spirit Hacking, bridges the gap between science and spirituality and brings us back to our roots. He's here to bring forth the ancient wisdom of our elders, to help heal and bring happiness into our modern society. The time has come to end codependency and put the power back into people's hands. Welcome to the tribe. What is the shaman school? No. You're not going to be studying to pursue a career in shamanism or to bang a drum. The definition of shamanism is one who understands relationship. The shaman school offering reminds you how to have a better relationship with things and how to nurture these relationships, whether it be with yourself, the food you eat, the people you meet, your ancestry, community, the global community, animals, nature, and so forth. My goal is to demystify spirituality, to add a bit of science and understanding of how things operate in the energetic planes. The Shaman School's no-nonsense teaching explores all faculties of experience, from the physical, the emotional range, the mental capacity for information, dialogue, lexicon, energy, perception, awareness, how to understand the energy of currency, and so much more. Fundamental education teaches the basics that we need in society, how to read, write, add, subtract, pay our bills, or how to become doctors, artists, mechanics, etc. But the shaman school is a school that we all should have been a part of, one that offers the additional tools needed to better understand who we are, why we think the way we do, what's going on behind the scenes, and what we are actually seeing and processing. Are you living well? Are you paying bills just to keep the roof over your head? Are you in a relationship but not fulfilled? Satisfaction cannot be lowered anymore by the inability to recognize possibility. Living well means fulfilling your ideas and your goals and your dreams and having the best time doing it. In the Shaman School, I have extracted the best from all of the world philosophies, religions, spiritual teachings, and theories, offering a juice without pulp that will empower your life. The Shaman School invites you to a world where you're able to seize the tools of understanding, where you're able to have fun and have more because you deserve more. Go to shamandurek.com and click on the Shaman School for the first step toward ultimate happiness and an understanding of your truest self. Let's make things easier and not harder for our life. We deserve that. See you soon. Hey tribe, this is Shaman Dirk, and I love you so much. We are doing really, really well. I mean, there's a lot of stuff happening on the planet and things are getting really, really intense, but I have to say we are doing really, really well in the process of our evolution. Even though a lot of people are going through a lot of illness right now, what we have to understand is that we are shifting consciousness, right? And as long as we continue to fortify ourselves with information and knowledge, we're going to continue to go higher and higher in, in the way in which we move through these challenging and very difficult times. So 
I think it's important for us to understand that in, you know, in the old times of like the 60s and the 50s and the 70s, people were marching in the street and like taking, you know, rubber bullets and getting beaten with batons and so forth for stepping up and, and experiencing their rights for community, for people, for social justices. And what we have to understand too is that everything that we are going through either independently or collectively is also about us stepping into those energies. So maybe we're not getting a rubber bullet shot at us, but we are getting negative energy being shot at us and we're transmuting it through our bodies, through our consciousness, um, through our emotions and so forth. And so that's why a lot of people are going through ups and downs and feelings and so forth. And in retrospect, this is creating release and also moving us into a much more generated energy where we're able to shift our energies very quickly and be able to mobilize ourselves into an active point of view where we're operating in what we choose to bring selectively choose in our lives, energetically, people, places, you name it, right? So everything comes with an energy, right? People have energy, you know, trees have energy, locations have certain energies. And right now what we're doing is we're going into what we call a format of resourcing. And a format of resourcing basically means that you are tapping into the energies around you and deciding how to map out what are the best energies for you, right? And that's really important to pay attention to. And I think one of the best ways to do so is when you're ever in any situation, what you do is you tap your heart, right? So you would tap your heart, one, two, three, and then say, reveal to me what type of frequency I'm in right now or what frequency I'm surrounding myself with. And it really shows you what type of energy you're actually experiencing so that you're more aware of it. Because what you want to do is you want to become really good at energy resourcing so that you choose energy that, well, you know, takes you to higher places or, you know, inspires you or it creates this beautiful expansion of intellect and conversation and so much more because you're choosing to map out energies that are supportive and choosing to discern the ones that are not. And that's really important where we are today in our evolution and how we're operating and manifesting. Because a lot of times when people go into any form of manifesting, they're going into, okay, I want to create this. I want this. I want this. I want this. And what we really need to do is when we manifest, we also want to make sure that we're saying that as I manifest these things, may the beautiful, most cleanest source of energy come through to manifest whatever it is that you're manifesting instead of just haphazardly going, I'm going to go manifest this, but not asking for the cleanest, clearest energy. Because sometimes the spirits will just say like, okay, you want to manifest. And then your energy goes out into the universe and manifests things. But though in the process of that, of what's being manifested, you might have to go through some pain or turmoil or certain energies to move through certain fields of darkness in order to come through the other side to get to the thing that you're manifesting. So I always say, if you're going to manifest something, you want it to be with the cleanest, most purest, most clearest energy that is the most non-affected 
on your own being, meaning that you're not going to be affected in a negative way to get to that thing that you're manifesting, that you don't have to walk through the thorn bushes or scrape your knees on rocks or go through all these things just to get to the thing you're manifesting, because that in itself is, you know, it's, it's, it's a waste of energy. It's like, why aren't people manifesting clear, pure energy? where they don't have to go through so much turmoil to get to the desired outcome of what they want to experience or have or, you know, go through. The key element is, is that we've been taught that we have to go through intensity in order to get to the good stuff, right? It's like in school, like if you don't pass your test, you don't get a good grade. If you don't do this, you don't get this. And this old energy, this old paradigm energy of, this principle of suffering in order to be rewarded does not support our evolution, nor does it support us as, as, as lit leaders of legacy, because we have to demonstrate to people that things can manifest easy and effortlessly with the most cleanest and purest energy without us having to go through turmoil and for it to manifest. I see people manifesting all the time, but what they're doing is they're not stating to the universe to the spirits that are that are around them that they interact with that they want the most cleanest purest source of manifesting in all the things they manifest that the pathway to getting what it is that they're asking for is not held in restriction or suffering or pain or loss or any of these things but it's held in grace and, and joy and playfulness and sexiness and sensualness and yumminess and vibiness and all the this the, the, the stuff that just makes you um, want to scream and yell and be excited because it feels so good, right? And we want things to feel juicy. We want things to feel yummy. We want things to feel good because if we're not creating that feel good sensation in all of our manifestations and our interactions and dealings with the world, ourselves, and other people, then we are only generating more uncomfortable old paradigm energy which is suffer to be rewarded, right? That you have to go through so much pain and suffering before the good stuff comes. You know, it's like, it's like the break before the dawn. It's like that breakdown before the dawn. It's you're, you're literally falling to the floor, gasping for air, looking for any type of salvation that if someone would just give you a little drop of water because you're, you're roaming through the desert for years and years and years. And then finally, the point where you're about to like completely fall down is when you see the water and the palm trees and like the coconuts and, you know, and all that stuff. And like, you're like, you know, dragging yourself across the sand to like, just lay on the fresh wet grass from your journey in the desert where you were burning up by the sun and feeling like you were starving and all now there's all these beautiful delectable fruits and coconut water and, and water you can swim in and, 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 and everything. Why? Why does it have to be that way? Because we've created a society and a belief that we have to work hard or we have to struggle or we have to go through pain in order to seek pleasure. We've created such a scale on the other side of duality when it comes to pleasure that we've completely separated ourselves from the reality and the positioning of what that represents and how that shows up. And that goes into what we are operating. And that's how we change the things in our lives to being something that's more easier and much more 
digestible in our evolution because then people always have to say, I'm working on this, I'm working on this, I'm working, I'm working on this. And it, it just becomes a slave mentality consciousness that we have to suffer in order to get that glass of water. We have to suffer in order to have the nice house. We have to suffer in order to have a good relationship. We have to suffer in order to be successful or whatever it is we're asking for in our success and our and, and the things that make us feel joyful in life and the things that make us feel bountiful, we have to suffer. And it's not okay because the suffering does not support, you know, the true understanding of us moving into a new paradigm. The suffering is an old energy that no longer supports us. And it just limits us because it just makes us go, oh God, I don't even want to do the next thing because then I'm going to have to suffer for that too. I have to work really hard for that. Or I have to go through some type of turmoil or some kind of uncomfortableness or something before I get to the good stuff, you know, and it doesn't have to be that way. So the way we shift out of that is when we are tapping into the energies, mapping, as we talked about earlier, mapping our energies, and we start feeling in by tapping three times on our heart and asking ourselves what frequency and energy we're experiencing. And when we feel joy or we feel good energies, we say to ourselves, we tap our heart again, and then we say, you are creating more of this. And you're gonna say, I am. You're gonna say, you are creating more of this. And therefore you're communicating directly to your inner being. And then what happens is your inner being is getting the cue that that frequency is the one that it needs to be paying attention to as it moves. And that's where true manifestation comes in because true manifestation is being able to move in an energy pathway that is clean and pure and concise and not riddled with bumps and, and ups and lows and downs and all these things before you get to the place where you're asking energy to travel to, right? So when you are actually sourcing energy, that means literally mapping out energy and then communicating to your inner being that you are creating more of this, your inner being, and you can even say you're so excited that you're creating more of this, your inner being then starts picking up on those frequencies and locking them into your subconscious mind. And then you start creating more of that. And before you know it, you're not struggling anymore to be rewarded. You're not going through ups and downs to be rewarded. You're not going into any idea of needing to be rewarded. You're just receiving continuous blessing after blessing after blessing after blessing of your manifestations that you're choosing without having to go through all the red tape to get to it. And it's really beautiful when you feel that peer flow, right? It's kind of like a train going down the tracks and it's just like a bullet train. It just takes you right where it, where you need to be to have whatever it is that you're asking for in your manifestation and in your powers versus you having to make all these stops and, you know, and pick up all kinds of different people and situations and circumstances and so forth before you get there. And then you're always going like, well, when am I going to get there? When am I going to get there? And this, that in itself is discouraging. And that makes the journey even more unpleasant, right? And so the more we clean source our energy in our manifestation, the more we start utilizing the mapping consciousness through our heart frequencies, start being aware of frequencies and what they feel like and what environments feel like so that you start mapping out all 
control of your life in ways where you're connecting into frequencies that are pleasurable and fulfilling and fun and joyful and exciting and motivating and inspiring and delightful and yummy and delicious and sexy and vibey and all of these things, right, that are expanding you into this place of it's easy it's effortless, it's fun, it's playful, it's exciting. And that is the words that you speak. So when people go, wow, how do you manifest? And you're like, I manifest very easily. Instead of being like, I manifest, but you know, I had to go through this and this and this and this and that. And like, that's not even necessary. So getting into that space right now is so important because that's going to make the journey so much more pleasurable and easy to maintain because you're learning how to source those energies and you're tapping into those different frequencies that are matching the same vibration of joy. And you're basically mapping joy for yourself and really excited for you to do so. And please, when you do it, send me a message on Instagram or TikTok. Let me know how that's been for you. I love you so much, Tribe. You're so powerful. You're so amazing. You're so amazing. You're so yummy and so sexy. And I love you, Let Leaders of Legacy. And I will talk to you again and share some more powerful information to keep you lit. Love you. Hello, Tribe. We have an amazing Tribe share by the lovely Katie, who has written us a lovely poem called The Truth Is Poem. The project is a documentary called A Journey of Spirit. It follows her travels and her different communities and tribes and explorations of how she gained her spiritual connections and encourage us to take action towards climate justice and global healing. Enjoy. Hi there. My name is Katie Gessler and this is my poem, The Truth Is. The truth is, we're crying, or numb, or simply lying, to ourselves, but we're dying, divided from the truth, from each other, our wild nature, deaf to the calls of our own souls, altogether we are in pain, as our home from which we came is torn to pieces under our feet, under our watch, and we all feel as one. And the truth is, it is the truth of our interconnectivity, of our divinity, of the love that makes up our entirety as a frequency. The truth is that, the medicine that heals the root, that replenishes the fruit of the tree of life, is the love, honest love, authentic love, that we share, that we are, in our core, in our truth. Thank you. Hey Tribe, we're going to take a short break to hear from one of our amazing sponsors, who is Lit Verified. The Lit Verified store is open. But what does Lit Verified mean? Lit Verified is an acknowledgement and stamp of approval by the tribe. I have tried 
each of these products and they are the best. Lit Verified products vary from beauty, technology, clothing, food, health, and wellness, and anything that is ethically sourced, organic, maintained, and sustainable. Not every product offered to the team passes the Lit Verified test. No. Not at all. Every Lit Verified product is carefully researched. Every CEO has been met with. Every ingredient carefully looked into the process production of all of it. I have seen the impact these vendors are making. Their vision and ethics are aligned with our tribe, with people who are consciously supporting community and want to make a difference in our world and make it a better place for us. Lit Verified products are ethically sourced and meet the highest industry standards. When purchasing Lit Verified products, we give back by creating sustainability and by leading the world to make better choices. You can be confident that you're buying into a company that supports a vision for change, not just a company that wants to line their pockets with money. We live in a time where we are oversaturated by commercials, TV, and social media, where far too many celebrities and influencers are endorsing things they know nothing about and things they might be doing damage to people, to the earth, and to animals. With Lit Verified, we've taken that doubt out of the equation. You're not only getting the best, but you're also doing the best. Pick up your awesome Lit Verified items at shamanduric.com and click on the link that takes you to Lit Verified. Love well, tribe. All right, tribe. Time to hear from our special guest. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Ancient Wisdom Today podcast. I'm Shaman Durek, and I'm so happy that we are here because right now we're stepping into the new year. And when we step into the new year, we really have to start really paying attention to our bodies because, look, you can do all these things in life, but if you're not paying attention to your body and really understanding your body mechanics and the way you're operating with your system, this is where inflammation comes in and this is where health can decline. And when health declines, mental health declines, and you know the whole story. And it's so important for us to be on that level. And that's why I'm super excited to have one of my amazing brother in the studio today. Aaron Alexander is in the studio who has an amazing book called The Aligned Method, a modern movement guide for a stronger body, sharper mind, and stress proof life. This is the revised version of his book, which has already come out in 2019. And his book is not something that you just read. You, this is a book that you actually put on your shelf and you keep it so you can always go back and reference it and be able to take what you need from it so that you can continue to optimize your health in the highest way. Aaron is a manual therapist, a movement coach, and an author of The Line Method, a modern movement guide for a stronger body. Aaron has helped world top athletes, celebrities, and everyone in between. He's also helped people with physical and mental pain, and he's here to help you today here on Ancient Wisdom Today. Aaron, welcome to the show. Thanks for making time to do this, man. I appreciate you. I'm glad that you're, you're well, glad that you're healthy, glad you're here with us. Yes, I'm happy to be here as well. So I just want to go into like, what was the the precursor for you coming into this, this, first of all, you know, what you do, but literally coming into understanding how to create this movement therapy. What was the thing that said, hey, this is something I want to do? I think for me, it starts off 
insecurity, some s- strange kind of uncomfortable, shameful type sensation and not feeling comfortable in my own skin, which translated to, and feeling like unstable at home. And that translated to packing on a whole bunch of biological protection in the form of muscle, like obsessing over bodybuilding and just smashing every type of protein supplement or glutamine or any, any of the, the whole plethora of eans that I could be eating each day and bars. And, and then that leading to more physical injuries, you know, as a product of like that physical compensation ends up eventually snapping that led to various different injuries that we talked about in the book and such. And then upon repairing my own parts and still being in process of repairing my parts, helping other people repair theirs, you know, going to school, study various different forms of manual therapy, rolfing, going to school for psychology to understand what the heck's going on in this, this mental situation and just slowly aggregating, putting the pieces together. And, you know, where I'm at now is it's very blatantly clear from my perspective that the mind and body, you know, they're, they're consilient systems. They're one and the same thing. There's no separation between one and the other. So if we pull in the strings of, you know, the mental, emotional strings, perspective, perspectival strings, where we see things, then that informs the way that we move in our physical bodies, our postural patterns, whether we're expressing fear or anxiety or pride or relaxation or contentment, those all have uh, mental, emotional, physiological, structural, mechanical consilience. They're one and the same thing, you know, and that's, that's what I'm really enamored by. And that's what the, the Align Method book, you know, is the, the primary function of, of, of that is creating a, a user's manual for people to really understand how to drive their body more effectively and also understand that relationship of the mind and body, which is, you know, I think why we get along. Yeah, absolutely. My reason for being here, and that's why I love a lot of what you do, is to understand the body in its many facets. I mean, and on every level, and how can we hack into this body to be able to make our biological spacesuit while we're inhabiting this body and its organic components to be able to function and operate and, and be able to get, get the most out of it in, in our lifetime. So exactly. I definitely agree with that. My question is, in, you know, when it comes to movement, right? Like the movement that people think of is like when they're in high school or junior high and they have PE class and they have to like run or do sports or stuff like that. Why do you think movement is not so much a thing that people bring into their life as an overall functioning of being a human being? Well, every, you know, it's like, what's the, the, the weight of, of a human thought, you know, like, like every aspect of you is an expression of some form of movement. So you could wind a thought back to you know, the connection of various different synapses to, to orient around this electrical signal that translates into you feeling a thing or tapping into a memory or something of the sort, you know, but as we're sitting here having this conversation, you know, when we communicate, we communicate with body language, with movement and, and with voice tonality, you know, Albert Moravian, a, a professor from UCLA in the sixties came up with a thing called the 55387 principle. You know, what it indicates is that 55% of our communication comes from body language and 38 is tone. And then seven is the, the words that we're speaking. And if there's incongruence between the words coming out of my face and the tone of my voice and the body language of how I express it, 93% of the time, you're going to trust you know, what you, the, the visual cues that you take in from the way that I move. And then my tone is also a form of movement as well, because it's, you know, it's a, it's a product of the constriction or relaxation of your vocal cords. That's movement. That's muscular contraction or relaxation. 
And so just thinking from a lens of like, okay, I want to be successful in relationships. I want to be successful in business. You know, I want to be able to, I have this message. I have this yearning to be able to, 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 to birth these ideas into the world. I want the, the world to be able to receive them. The way that we do that is by connecting to, to each other, you know, with the way that we move to each other in a way. And where it becomes interesting is statistically modern culture has been gradually transitioning into, you know, it seems like every, every year, higher um, usage of anti-anxiety medication and antidepressant medication and you know, self-harm seems to be continuing to, to rise. And, and there's just, it's, it's like we have access to all of the health that we ever could possibly want or desire, all of the technology that could that could induce health. Like we have it all. We have Whole Foods, you know, if you're in LA, you have Air One, like you have anything, you all the supplements. Yet statistically, culture seems to be going in this in this progressive direction towards mental, emotional, spiritual, physiological decline as a statistic. There's lots of amazing, beautiful things happening as well. And, you know, a a, a massive component of that conversation, I think, is is we could use a, a broader conversation about is the way that we, we, are we moving ourselves into these states? You know, and if you look at the environment, the environment that we shape ourselves in, like most people, if you were to look at a person holding a cell phone, you know, or sitting in front of a computer at a desk and you were to take out, it was just like a, a shadow of the person, a silhouette of the person, you didn't have any context of their doing computer stuff or doing cell phone stuff. You just saw that position, forward head posture, rolled forward shoulders, hunched over spine, knees collapsed in. You know, you would think that that person is probably, you know, sick or maybe sad, maybe depressed, maybe defensive. If you were to see a primate practicing that position in nature, you'd think the same thing. But in modern culture, we just think, oh, that's that's normal. Like that's just what the body does. It just kind of collapses into the chair and kind of melts into the cell phone or melts into the computer screen. And if we can start to change our perspective of what fitness is into fitness is I'm always constructing myself. I'm always building myself. I'm always under development and understand, you know, how to actually be able to leverage all those like little minor moments throughout the day that you might not be paying attention. If we can start to bring some awareness into those, that moment to moment aspect of our lives, that's, you know, that's the fountain of youth. That's longevity. That's finding flexibility in a momentary basis. That's, that's cultivating strength, adaptability. And you just, you know, you're sexier, you know, being around a person that's an adaptable, strong, like well-equipped, stable, supportive, physical structure is kind of hot. <laughs> you're around that person. You're like, damn, like, wow. I don't know what it is, but like, I'm attracted to that, like man or woman. There's something sexy about that. You know, and that's we're always communicating at this deeper, you know, mammalian level, and those are the those are the signals that we're conveying back and forth. So, like, if you're not interested in that conversation, you know, I don't know, probably might be wise to start paying attention. Yeah, I agree. You know, it's 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 very fascinating how things cross over because in shamanism, one of the first things we learn in our training is to pay attention to people's body language, their eyes 
Mm. Their facial expressions, the way they move their body tells us a lot about what they're up to, what they're thinking, what kind of energies they're manifesting in their life. And then we look at, we listen to sound tonation. So there's different frequencies in the way that human being speaks. And we listen to those sounds and it tells us what the emotional charge is. So when we're training, you know, we go into going out and listening to different people having conversations and then being able to understand the different types of frequencies and the body language that's telling us things just like an animal, if it's going to strike or if it's going to recoil or any of these different things. And this is, um, you know, uh, very indicative in most tribal cultures. And so it's, it's really nice to, to see how you're bringing this awareness to people in the modern um, day structure of how we can facilitate a greater understanding of ourselves through that movement. Because, you know, I mean, if we look at it from the perspective, like for me, I grew up in a family where you don't slouch. You always have your back up straight. You don't, you sit at the edge of your chair. You don't sit into the back part of your chair. And this is how it was every day in my home. So my father would always come in. And if we slouch, he would like pull our shoulders back and be like, have good posture because good posture. He'd always say these words, good posture um, shows people you're confident. And so so that's how I always was. And so when I used to take ballet dance, I was a ballet, I used to study ballet at Alvin Ailey and the modern dance in New York. And when I was in class, one of the things I love about ballet and modern is that you have this great structure. And so the way you're poised and you carry yourself. And it's interesting because every time I'm like in business meetings or whatever, people always say, oh my God, you have amazing posture. Wow. You don't, you don't slouch your, your, all your spine is always sitting up straight and, and it does really make a difference. And I think that, you know, and today when we look at the younger generation, right, because I have like a lot of young generation that follows me you know, they're very slouchy. They, you know, they sit hunched over on their TikToks and their social medias and all of these things. What do you think is something that can be integrated into children, into families to begin to start observing this and start making the changes that you talk so much about in your book? So, yeah, I mean, uh, I love all of that. And the an interesting study that I included in the Align Method book is uh, how these postural signals, how they're continually sending messages to the world around us on, on for how how's an appropriate treatment for us based off of our postural signaling that we're sending out. So if you're sending out a signaling that you are, you know, collapsed, disoriented, disorganized, you're kind of like a yard sale, you know, from like snowboard <laughs> ski terms, you're kind of like you fall and you're just like, wow, like you're just all over the place. You know, that person will be easier to take advantage of. Mm. So that person's practicing the signaling of victimization, essentially. They're sending the signal out saying, I don't know who, you know, who I am, where I'm going, you know, what I'm doing. So therefore I can kind of, I'm, I'm like, I'm free for the, I'm free for the picking, you know, cause I'm not, I don't have this containment of myself, you know, and the, the, the research it was from, it was 1981, I believe was, was when this, the, this particular study was done, it was done in New York university and they, um, went into 
prisons and they spent time with different inmates that were there for violent crimes and showed them a variety of different images and, and videos of people walking down the street and asked like, who would you end up mugging? Who would you rob out of these people? And, you know, these, these would be assailants. They would typically um, go for the people that would move in a disorganized way. So it wasn't about their sex. It wasn't about their color. It wasn't, you know, their race. It wasn't about their age. It was, did that person feel like they had this awareness of, cool, I'm here, I'm going there. You know, I have this directionality. I have this organization of my gate. There's like this like, like upright confidence. That person you don't want to mess with. You might want to have them on your team. You might want to join up with them, team up with them, you know, become a friend them and you know, bring them into your tribe because they're probably going to be a supportive member that has longevity and they're not going to be a liability. Uh, and then the other people, you know, they're sending the message out saying like, come and get it essentially. So that you're, we're always sending these messages out. And it's an interesting thing for a person in a relationship. You say like, why do I always have the same, I attract the same type of guy. You know, it's like, I, I think an interesting lens to look at is like, well, as you're moving yourself through the, the, the dating market, you know, what's the, what kind of postural expressions and, and tone expressions are you, what kind of signals are you sending out? Cause you, right. you know, we're always kind of, we're always attuning to some specific frequency of person you could say, yeah. you know, and there's going to be certain resonances with certain people. And those resonances are expressed via our visual cues, movement, our tonality cues. You know, there's probably some pheromone, you know, like olfactory cues, auditory cues, and the weight, like the sound of a person. You know, all of that makes you feel a certain way. When someone comes to the room, you're gathering all this information. And then you determine, do I feel comfortable with this person or not? And if it's not, then triggers go up, you know, and, you know, I, I either get the heck out of the room or I feel alarmed. And so the way that we can start to bring awareness into how to take some semblance of, of control. I, I completely hear where you're coming from. And I think what you're saying is so important because I feel that human beings are recoiling or retracting from each other because of all of the things that are happening. And, you know, we were talking about body language and so forth. Do you feel that the world itself is compressing upon people that that also environment has a lot to do with how someone, you know, posturally aligns, post, I can't even say the word. Posturally aligns. Yeah. Yes. So that's, and that's, <laughs> it's an that's, R word. Yeah, I can't yeah. get, I'm not good and at R's. And that's exactly where I was going is, is so great. There's this, the, the reality that we're continually conveying messages back and forth to each other via the way that we move and you know the way the, the way that we speak not just the words that we use so then from there you know there's there's a interesting person that I've had on my podcast in the past called called uh, Dr. Bruce Lipton he's wrote the popular book biology of belief you know he's kind of he's like the preeminent researcher in the, in the realm of of epigenetics mm -hmm. and love Bruce He's a sweetie. Yeah. And in our last episode, one of the things that he, he brought up with me that he also mentions in his, his books is if you want to change the, the, the structure, the state of a, of a cell in a Petri dish, you don't do anything to the cell specifically. You augment the environment that the cell exists within. You augment the culture. So we all exist in a culture and that culture, it, it, it informs the way that we express ourselves. 
So then you can come into the, okay, cool. There's the culture of maybe I come from like a hip hop culture, you know, I come from like an emo culture or I come from a right-wing culture, a left-wing culture. There's that aspect of culture. Then there's the more local culture of, you know, maybe my, my family culture, you know, and then there is the, the, the culture of the home that I exist in. You know, there's certain homes you go maybe in Morocco or, or Japan or Texas, they're all different shapes and they form different people. You know, so that's one of the, the chapters, well, several of the chat, one of the sections of, of the Align Method book is how to reform your environment to, to make it so that you know, each moment you're forming your body into being more flexible, strong, stable, you know, gearing yourself towards longevity and confidence and all of those things. You know, and one of the things that, that, that a person could easily do would be just you know, a simple, simple thing to start integrating into your, your life was just get a $30 pull-up bar. You know, throw a pull-up bar in between some doorway that you walk in with regularity. And I have one in my my bathroom door. So every time I walk through there, I you know just do a little hang. I like swing through before I go in and you know take a poop or a shower or whatever. And so I get uh, that little mobilization in my shoulders, opening up some space in and around my my lungs and my you know my torso, my cardiovascular tissue, and my diaphragm, and I get this ah this decompression just because the bar is there. So it's not this tedious, like, oh man, I got to go do pull up. It's like, it's there. I, I, I don't even, I, I'm like moved to the pull up bar because it's in my visual field. Mm-hmm. You know, so going into your home and saying, you know, uh, when I come into this place, what are my options? For most people, your option is there's going to be some low table, you know, where you put your keys on or whatever. There's going to be a couch, there's going to be a TV on the screen, there's going to be a dinner table, some chairs around it. There's going to be a kitchen where everything's kind of, you know, placed up high. So you don't have to get down, down low. And then there's not much space for other things, you know, so you kind of just sit in various different locations around the house. Then you go to the toilet, you sit down to 90 degrees, which that goes against your body's natural ability to, to, to take a poo, to defecate. When you go into a deep squat, like every person on the planet has done since forever until recent, that elongates the rectum, your poop chute, it opens up. So you can actually have a healthy, easeful defecation. When you are bent down to 90 degrees or standing, it's called the anorectal angle. It increases the puborectalis muscle contracts and you aren't able to, it it helps you to maintain continence. So you don't poop yourself while you're taking a walk. When you squat all the way down, it's literally, it's it's the biomechanically appropriate way to take a poop and nobody in Western culture for the most part, let's give like a squatty potty does that anymore. We've just kind of abandoned that position of getting our hips down below the height of our knees, a really easy way to start to make that be a, like a normalized part of your life. And I'll shut up after this because I know I've, I've been on a long monologue rant on this, mm-hmm. uh, but get a, a comfortable rug in your house and that you have enough spaciousness that you can get all the way down onto that rug. Like it's inviting to get down to the rug, get some floor cushions in the house. You maybe get some like Moroccan poofs, you know, and just that you maybe throw a yoga mat in some place or put some foam roller down on the ground, you know, or something that invites yourself and guests and family and kids to just get, go through that full range of motion of going all the way down to the ground. That in and of itself you know, multiply that times a week, a month, a year, a decade, your whole life. Suddenly, you know, fall risk is the number one leading reason for elderly needing assisted living. 
I've fallen, I can't get up. That's, that's the main reason why we need help as we get older. That literally, that whole conversation gets wiped off the board. It's over. Like that's not a conversation anymore. Mm-hmm. It's like, uh, like, are, how are we not seeing that as a, as a culture? Like it's unbelievable, like billions of dollars, you know, and, and healthcare and insurance and just like a sensation of sovereignty and freedom and autonomy in our bodies for elderly and for ourselves. Cause we are ultimately elderly. Like we're going in the direction unless we transition out before that. Like you already, you are elderly, you know, like if you have a body, like that's where you're going. You know, so why not start to examine your home and your office and your travel, you know, and your general lifestyle and say like, how can I start to do my elderly self a solid today? And one of the easiest, most effective, most affordable things that you could do is just augmenting your environment so that it's, it makes sense to get up and down off of the ground with regularity. I love that. Yeah. In front of my bed, I have my altar and I got like this wood, like the driftwood thing within it has like someone built it as it's like a small table and I have pillows all around. And my girlfriend and I, we always get down on the ground and sit on the ground and like in front of the altar and do our like meditations and our like prayer ancestral stuff, you know, and it's nice because people come in and they're like, what is this? And I go, it's just a way for me to get like on the ground and be in front of the altar and like be in this kind of place where I can like lay on my carpet. I put like a huge carpet and I love, I love it. And you know, it, when I used to live in San Francisco, I had a room that I didn't even have a couch. I just had, I made like a wooden thing that I built and I just put like a foam on it. And then beautiful Indian like uh, thing. And I made like a room where it's all low to the ground where people can yeah. stretch and, you know, and have fun and talk. And I used to have like a thing with the tea in the middle with the different nuts from, from the Middle East and stuff like that. So cool. That's, that's, that. so that just I, I, aside, like that brings people together. When you go into a space like that, immediately people start like, you know, touch, human contact connection, it's, I mean, you could arguably suggest it to be a, a, a nutrient. And there's, there's some research that I, I put in the alignment the book as well. There's a whole chapter about the, the value of touch, you know, how, how it impacts our physiology. And there's a researcher called Dr. Tiffany Field and University of Miami. And she was working with uh, preemie babies uh, that were in incubators. And she found that just three times 15 minutes of massage three times a day would increase the growth rate of these premature babies by 43%. So just a little bit of baby massage for 15 minutes, three times a day. That's like nothing. That's not a lot of contact for a whole entire day. And 43% increase in there. You know, it, it, it did something to their metabolism, for them to be able to metabolize the nutrition they're getting. They weren't getting any different nutrition, like nothing changed. The, the big change was that they're now just getting this, adding this massage, this touch into their life as opposed to existing in a vacuum, which feels a lot like a lockdown. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Absolutely. You know, and so, and so what, when you start to create an environment 
you know, if you go do Ethiopian food or you go to a Moroccan restaurant or you go to maybe Japan, you're all sitting down around a table. It does something to you. Like there's something almost like magic about that, which I mean, you could extrapolate all the scientific research of what exactly is happening. But that feeling that you get where it's like, ah, like this is fun. And suddenly you're, you're in this novel environment doing kind of novel movements with people and maybe, you know, your knees are bumping up against each other or maybe you're laying down on your back and, you know, it, it opens up this like playfulness to you and play is the highest indication of health period. If you are playing, it's an indication that your nervous system feels safe enough to play. If you feel like you're very serious, you know, and you're, you know, you're in kind of more of that, like, you know, get it done attitude. There's nothing wrong with that. That's fantastic. But that's like, there's a mission. There's a goal. You know, I'm not safe in this moment. I need to get to here. Once I get to here, then we can play. You know, so if you can start to instill a little bit of that, which I know that you are really exceptional with this, you know, it's a big part of what you, you, <laughs> you teach and, and exhibit in your life, which ultimately we don't teach what we know. We teach what we are. Right. You know, you can say all these things, but ultimately the thing that people are really listening to is like, who are you really? Yeah. You know, and so by starting to integrate something as simple as just some more playfulness into your life, and that that doesn't need to be like kickball or like you're spinning a yo-yo. Play could just be having a playful dynamic in conversation. Play could be the the way that you 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 explore your thoughts. You can be open to creativity and kind of like improvisation in your mind. So starting to incorporate that play and then allow it to also express out into your physical body and have, you know, go through playful physical positions, you know, that's, that is longevity, you know, that, and that's, that's a, it's a massive conversation and it's, it's, it's the low hanging fruit that I think that, you know, it's, it would be wise for culture as a whole to start exploring more deeply. I think so. I think I was on TikTok the other day and I was doing a live and I was, people wanted to see my bedroom and people were like, what is that on the ground? And I, it was my, my He-Man set, my classical Graysol and my Voltron and like, you know, my toys. And people were like, oh my God, your ki- your room looks like a child's room, like a kid's room, you know? And I'm like, yeah, because I like to play, you know? And I like, I have my sticker book and I'm like, you know, this is just what I like to do. Sometimes I like to just sit on the floor and play. Whereas in my new house here, it's very, it's very big. It's vast. It's like, like 9,000 square feet and it's a lot of stone. And the thing is, is that my living room isn't the way that I would like my living room to be. It's got furniture, they're very blocky pieces, you know, but it's like stone floor. So I'm still trying to figure out how I want to make the home, you know, a certain way. Cause a lot of times when people come to my house, they go to the movie theater downstairs because I put like bean bags down there and that's where everyone likes to hang out and commune. Whereas no one really hangs out in my front living room. Cause it's like big fireplace and like, you know, furniture pieces and like marble floor, you know, and it, it doesn't make an inviting space for people to, to integrate and connect. So I definitely feel that environment plays a definite integral role in how we allow ourselves to let go and, and be present with, the people around us and also sink in, as you say, to that space of connection. And I also love what you said about touch because I've always been in my family growing up, no one was allowed to touch each other. It's very, how do you say any form of affection or touch 
or connection was outlawed in my family. So for me growing up as a kid, I was a very touchy feely kid and it made people very uncomfortable all the time. I'm a cuddler. I'm a toucher. I want to massage you. I want to lay with you on the bed. I want to roll with you on the floor. Like that would like, that's what I loved about dance is because we are always like doing things where we do improvisations of rolling on the floor and stretching before we get into dance. And I love that. And I think that, you know, what you offer the world is so important in the value of our evolution, because if we don't get back to those tribal ways, that's what I, when I used to spend a lot of time with the Lakota Indians, we used to sit on the floor and like running there, which was one of the, the Lakotas, he'd always say to me, uh, Shaman Dirk, put your face on the soil, you know, and breathe the earth with your lips on the, on, on the, on the earth. And I, it was like a cooling sensation and it felt so good. And I love how they would always be on the floor. We talk, we'd on the floor, we, you know, we eat, we would be on the floor and it was just such a nice feeling. And I think we've gotten so far removed from those tribal ways. And what I love is how you're actually pairing it with all these other understandings of both mental health, understanding the body, you know, the postural alignment, all these different things that are really creating the body to release certain chemicals in certain ways to, to, you know, to be able to create a greater, stronger resilience and also an adaptation. And I think, you know, what I, why I encourage people so much to get your book is because where we are in our evolution right now, the adaptive qualities of humanity are lacking if we are not understanding the things that you're speaking about, because the system wants to pull us away from touch. It wants to pull, it wants to isolate us. It wants us to be afraid of each other. It wants us to go in and, and collapse upon ourselves without having a real definition of community and communion. And that is so important when it comes to facilitating higher forms of consciousness, conversation, intellect, emotional, you know, capacity, emotional intelligence, body awareness, how we eat, how we connect and so forth. And so I think it's brilliant. My question to you is where do you see our society going if we continue to live a very sedentary life? It's just, we're going where we're going, you know, like all this, like it's going to be in a direction of um, greater addiction and dependence on immediate gratification in the form of, you know, like Alan Watts calls it the, we're, we're eating the menu instead of the meal. You know, so we're, we're, we're craving something deeper. You know, we're craving touch. We're craving real contact. We're craving meaningful connections with people that we actually know have our back. You know, and it's not just like a tit for tat kind of, pretense, full relationship, you know, we're, we're doing a thing in order to get a thing. And then there's like a means to an end, you know, and, and from a nutritional perspective, you know, eating supplement forms of food or highly processed forms of food that it's, you know, borderline unrecognizable by the body in large part, you know, all that leads to a, a deep seated, inexplicable yearning for something more. And not knowing exactly, you know, where to go for that or what that that feeling is, you know. But it's like it's interesting that the, the Matrix just came out. The new the new Matrix just came out because I think that there's there's 
mean, that, that movie, that whole series of movies is just so poignant to culture you know, and, and like Neo and he's, he's like going back and about to go back into the, you know, or get out of the matrix, you know, and they come and they like find him and he's like, and they, they describe to him this, this, this deep seated yearning and you're, you have these sleepless nights and like you're, there's something more, you know, that, I think that feeling it's, it's really eating a lot of people up. You know, it's something, it's a feeling that I feel, you know, I, I'd imagine a lot of people listening to this probably have that. It's like, I, I know that I'm, I'm here for more than this. What is the idea of more like in your idea, when you own your thoughts, when you think about that, like, what does that mean to you? The idea of more by this constant yearning. Yeah. I mean, I think it's an interesting thing. I think I'm in process of understanding myself, but I I think ultimately it's like yearning. I think there's a, a, a sensation of feeling yearning for, for love, likely, you know, feeling like safe enough to, to open your heart. You know, and I think that that's a lot of a lot of the song and dance and theater that we're doing ultimately comes back to wanting to you know find different devices to arrive ourselves to a place where we finally feel safe to be loved. You know, and I think that that's as long as a person feels oh, like it's not oh, there's like a contraction you know around the, the heart, you know, figurative or literal, then. I think that there's oftentimes around that there's going to be compensatory patterns that manifest in the form of, okay, like maybe I don't feel totally lovable, but I have this, you know, fat watch, you know, or I have a fast car, I've got a big house or I've got big muscles or I'm really smart. I got a big brain, you know, and and all of those different patterns that, that, that manifest oftentimes are, you know, compensations to get around like a, some type of you know, fear of being inadequate, I think. And ultimately what is inadequacy? Inadequacy is being in, inadequate to love, I think. So, you know, I, I think that, and I think this is a very interesting what you're saying because I look at love from a place of liberation. So if I feel any form of resistance where someone is resisting or holding back or creating any, or not even just a person, but anything in my life where I feel any kind of squeeze or any kind of uh, resistance or any type of, of suffocation or anything like that, to me, that's not love. So for me, love is you could take off all your clothes and and run around my house and say that you are a fireman and I'm not going to look at you sideways. You you could say anything you want to me and I'm not going to judge you. I'm not going to look at you um, awkwardly and think, oh, why would you say something like that? Because I feel like, you know, where we are in today's culture, a lot of people talk about this whole idea of love but yet they're very opinionated about the sides and dualities and they don't come into a place of, of grace, of understanding what grace is and what it means to truly accept a human being without the need to think that they should be where you are in, in your evolution. And I think the level that human beings, you know, have this, this, this standard of what it means for them to open up to love based upon qualities and, and, and systematic behaviors that they see and witness within another person that they see in themselves instead of saying, okay, I see that there are people who make choices that I may not agree with, but still I'm going to, I'm going to love them 
regardless, because that's where they're at in their evolution. And so we have this thing that if we can't fix something, change something, or we have an entitlement or some idea of what we think something should be, we, people don't open to love. And a lot of people have a lot of rules. Like I, I'm a type of person who lives my life and I surround myself in a very small group of people that I can be completely vulnerable with, where I can feel like I can just be every part of liberation that I want to be. And then there's other groups of people that have all these ideas of what they think I should be or what they think I, how I should be as according to what they would like to see that makes them feel a certain way. And it's not liberated. It's not like when people around me, I'm like, Hey, be whoever you want to be and however you want to live. And that's okay. And I love you however you choose to be. But I think that love has been restrained on earth because there's so many rules and opinions about what people identify how can they feel safe in their bodies if they if they are not able to feel safe in the world for being who they are? You know, we have a very highly critical world. You know, I mean, I've dealt with it since the day I arrived on Earth with being a person of, of color and having to deal with constant rejection and things thrown in my face. I basically, the way I, I always say it when I lecture is it was literally like I had to negotiate my existence every time I opened my mouth or went into any type of situation. And that feeling for some people can be very difficult, you know, and also with like, for instance, people who are coming into a understanding of their masculine, feminine energy, coming into understanding of their sex sexuality, coming into an understanding of whatever it is they're coming through, this world doesn't make it uh, a comfortable place to be explorative and liberated to find these levels of, of, of sinking in and letting go and surrendering. Because if we think about it, right, the muscles in the body contract when there's fear. So when there's fear, the muscles contract. And, and so whenever I'm doing a healing on someone, I pay attention to their, their, their muscular um, system. I pay attention to contraction, things that I see contracting, and I know where certain energies need to be shifted. But human beings contract in fear, but the muscles also people use muscles to also create armor. And, and so again, how do we balance in, in that space? Because if people are saying, you know, like I, I see all these people in LA guys who are like working out and their bodies are big and all this kind of stuff. And then when I connect with them emotionally, it's like, it's like this surface emotion. It's not this depth emotion. And then there's some people who aren't like that, but it's like, how do we balance those places of, putting too much armor on, put too much protection, too many rules, too many opinions to actually surrendering, letting go and, and, and decompressing ourselves to the point where we can go into a different way in which we operate in society. Yeah. It takes, it takes both. You know, so sometimes in like the, the spiritual metaphysical kind of worlds, sometimes there's a lot of juiciness and ooze and you know that stuff but there's no containment there's no structure there's no grounding so 
discipline creates freedom, you know, like being able to have that, that containment and that structure in a relationship, in your own mind, in your life, in your resources, in your home, in your family, that potentiates liberation and freedom and exploration. You know, so sometimes people can get the signal that you need to be all this, you came from an unsafe environment or whatever it may be, then that led to a person maybe hyper stabilizing and to the point that they become stiff and rigid. Now they're vulnerable in another way. So if you're too stiff, you're too rigid, you can't adapt. If your environment shifts outside of the way that you've formed that rigidity, you're dead. You're, you're not, you're not adaptable. Right. You know? Or if you fall down and you're literally stiff and rigid, you break because you're not adapt- adaptable. There's a, there's a new movement equation. You fell, push, you know, explosion, you know? And so all of those, it's, it's, so it's, it's like yin yang balance of both masculine, feminine, you know, that's, that's the thing. And then the way that we can start to tap into those, and this was, you know, a primary function of, of the Align Method book really was, was giving, offering people uh, tangible, applicable, simple tools to be able to, if we're too hard, how do we soften? If we're too soft, how do we create more support? You know, and one of the things if a person say is too hard in quotations, too stiff, too rigid, um, too stuck in their head, stuck in their ideas, stuck in their postural patterns, stuck in their movements, stuck in their dogmas, a place that we could go for softening would be, you know, focusing on exhalation with your breath, you know, so coming back to the breath and saying, okay, I want you to, instead of having this deep inhalation, shoulders kind of stuck up to your ears, yeah, all these muscles engaged around the the jaw and you're like, oh, you're like clenching that breath in, holding it. You know, like someone's, you can feel when someone isn't able to have a full exhalation and people do that with themselves. Now explore, how does it feel to really fully full inhalation? Where are you breathing? Are you able to breathe inside of the ribs, into your low back, into your abdomen, and even like to your armpits, really feeling that breath, especially in the side of your body, to be really valuable to activate and engage that diaphragm. So it's going to descend and pull the lungs. You know, so is it easier for you to inhale or is it easier for, to, for you to exhale or do both feel kind of stuck? If it's easy to inhale, inhales that active side of the nervous system, that sympathetic kind of drive, executive function, get stuff done. That exhale is that rest, relax, parasympathetic, calming side. So when you relax, you go, ah, everybody knows universally. That's like, wow, we made it. I I feel safe. I feel supported. I feel calm. You know, people listening now, if you're any level of sensitive, even just hearing someone sigh like that and hearing someone's voice get a little bit lower and a little bit slower, you probably even in your own self, that cued you up to be like, oh, wow, like my blood pressure just dropped a little bit. My heart rate kind of dropped a little bit. Like, huh, interesting. Just hearing those auditory cues. You know, so tapping into that, that awareness within yourself that you have your breath as a tool. If you want to spin yourself up and upregulate, like you, you know, get jacked up, like you just slam some coffee and you got a big meeting you want to go into, you want to be like cognitively clear, you could do the opposite and you could do some, you know, like huffing and puffing type of breath work. what is that simulating? That's simulating you are at the end of a fight. You're climbing up to the top of a mountain. It's low, you know, high altitude, you know, you're joined some sexual ceremony thing. You're that's like, Oh, like fifth gear. 
that sends a signal to your physiology that like you're going, man. And then if you were like, man, I'm really stressed out about this. I'm really nervous. I feel pretty like pent up energy, a direction that you can go with that. If you pent up energy, actually doing the huffing and puffing can be helpful to get it out. But if you want to calm down, then you can leverage your breath as the tool that it is and be able to come into that long, you know, sighing exhalation. You can do breath holds, which will also make your hemoglobin cells, your red blood cells more effective at releasing oxygen. So it, it lowers their oxygen binding affinity, causes your body to be able to actually utilize oxygen more effectively. And so that's pretty interesting. Breath is a tool to either soften or harden in the body. Those aren't good words, but you know, you can, you can change the, like the amplitude of your nervous system. You can say you could use your visual muscles. So if you're stressed to freak out, uh, get your eyes out of your cell phone, get your eyes out of your computer screen, get your eyes out of a small, tiny box of a room, you know, go outside, get expose your eyes to full spectrum sunlight, relax the eyes, take in the panorama view. So when you're taking in that whole vision, it literally, it sends a cue into your autonomic nervous system. That's cool. It's, it's safe to take it all in right now, i.e. let's rest and digest and menstruate or do whatever kind of vital functions my body needs to do to, to live, to thrive. Now's the time to do it. When I hone my vision in on one single point, then that's sending the signal through the rest of your nervous system that, okay, it's time to go. There's a potential threat and we need to get stuff done. So if you want to amplify, if you want to you know, turn up the volume, get ready to go, focus your vision in on a single point, do some maybe heavy breath holds or, or sorry, sorry, heavy breathing patterns. You know, if you shake your body up, you can maybe tap your body. It'd be a beautiful thing to do. Like wake your up, wake yourself up, stimulate. And then to calm yourself down, you know, do the opposite of that. You know, so breath and vision, there's two of the chapters in the line method book are, are exclusively about that, you know, varying different practices and tools people can utilize, but is a, they, those are two powerful senses. You could say, you know, a breath would be a sense exactly, but they're two powerful levers that you have at your disposal. If you choose to start to start to pull on them, you know, but we need to know. That's how the to part of your them. book talking about harnessing the senses, right? That's correct. Yeah, that's the fourth, the the last section is is we call it harnessing your senses. So it gets into sight and sound and touch and mindfulness are the specific ones that we focus on in that. I love that. And so tell me, you know, about these five daily optimizations and how we can integrate them into our lives. Yeah. So it's it's really simple. Like there's so like I mentioned before, there's so much low-hanging fruit that we have access to. One of them is just spending time on the ground. Really simple. I've recorded this whole entire conversation slash every interview I've ever done from from here on the ground. You know, so I'm I'm sitting on this infrared biomat thing. You know, that's cool. It's like warm on my butt. That's great. Um, <laughs> I, I have my my hips raised up on a little pillow cushion thing, like a floor cushion. You know, and I have like a low coffee table that I set all this stuff. I have this, you know. This is a professional setup. I've got a you know a fancy camera hooked up. I've got a professional, nicest microphone you can get. I've got a great like boom arm thing. Like this is a legit setup, and I'm here sitting on the floor like a little kid, you know. So this whole time, I am in a yoga class while I'm at work in quotations. And so many people work from home, you know. So why not turn your home more into you know, an opportunity is to start to open up some space around your hips and your ankles and your knees and your pelvic floor muscles, et cetera. The other one is walk, you know, walking is the, the, the oldest and 
simplest and most effective full body integration exercise you can possibly do. You know, I'm not going to get into all of the different research of why that is the case. There's like endless, <laughs> amounts of it, endless amounts of it in the book, but it's, you know, one of the simplest solutions to help boost creativity, support the, the, the movement and circulation of lymphatic fluid, help cognitive function and prevention of cognitive decline. I mean, it's just, it's like an endless list. It like does all the things. Hanging, we talked about that a little bit before as well. Hinging from your hips. So learning how to create leverage from your hips. So you don't blow out your back, but also so that you're a strong, powerful person. A big reason of why we're attracted culturally to, to humans with healthy butts is it's an indication that that, that human is strong, supported, stable, and well-leveraged. They can cultivate leverage from their hips. They're probably going to have a juicy butt because they're utilizing their gluteal muscles. And it looks good. It feels good, you know, and it, it, it performs. And you can take that any way you, anywhere you want to take it. Yeah, we know where we're taking it. Yeah, and then, and then, and then, the, and then the, last, <laughs> the last one is, is nose breathing. You need to breathe through your nose. Super simple. You know, in, in, the, in the chapter, we get into all the practices and the specifics of why that is exactly. But, you know, it's, there's 30 odd different functions of breathing through your nose in relation to, to breathing. There's zero functions in breathing through your mouth. You know, so the only function that you could say is breathing through your mouth is you can get more air quicker. So if you, you need to get a lot of air real quick, that's the function of the mouth. You know, outside of that, you know, filtration, cooling, warming, increasing nitric oxide production, you know, activating the muscles around the diaphragm because it's, you're breathing a third less air through the nose, slowing down the air in general makes your cells be able to, again, it's called the Bohr effect. And when you breathe less air, your cells become more effective at releasing oxygen. And so it's like your, your body is so, so darn simple. And we just didn't get the instruction manual on how to really approach this physical gizmo device, complex system, complex system, as opposed to a complicated system, like systems theory complex is, you know, a biological system. We just never got the memo on how to, to really be, you know, to allow ourselves to self-organize. Like we don't need to do as much as we think we need to do. We need to place ourselves in the environmental conditions for our body to perform magnificently. You know, and some, I, mean, I feel like it sounds a little excessively poetic, but like your body's brilliant. But if you place it into a scenario where it's compressed, collapsed, impinged, adhesed, dehydrated, bound up, stuck, imprisoned, trapped, you know, again, more kind of like, like poetic language, flowery language. But if in that place, if you're in a postural or if you're in an environmental condition that causes this, this collapse, then the systems follow suit, like as above, so below. You know, so the big message that I have for anybody in my, my podcast or in the book or in the, the, the programs that I create or anything is really that like health is simpler than what we've been told by advertisers, you know, and, and you have, you already have pretty much everything you need. And it's just, you gotta, you know, you, you need to educate yourself on how to run it. And you know, that's, that's the big thing. 
This is an amazing conversation. I'm so happy that we had a chance to, to talk about these wonderful topics that I know so many people around the world are really going to appreciate. And I am just so honored to have you here today on Ancient Wisdom Today podcast. And people can find your book in like same bookstores all over. Is that, is that right? Yeah, yeah. Amazon bookstores. Yeah, if, you, if, you, if you're down to go out to a bookstore, you can go to Barnes & Noble or Target or whatever. Yeah, or, or Amazon's a likely place as well. Excellent. And also people can check you out on your podcasts. Yep. Yeah, the podcast is called Align Podcast. And if people want to go back, they can listen to the Bruce Lipton episode or they could listen to the episode I did with, with Shaman Durek back. I think we recorded maybe like a couple years ago, a year and a half ago or so. So yeah, that's that's a great resource as well that I'm just immensely grateful for the opportunity to get to have the conversations that I, I do on there. So yeah, the, Align, the Align Method book would be a great starting point and social media is Align Podcast and the podcast is also Align Podcast. Excellent. Thank you so much, my love, for being with us today. Thank you. Yeah, I really appreciate you. Appreciate Thank you for tuning in. Of All right. Course. All right. See you, brother. I've created the Healing Temple because people all over the world want and need healing, but don't have the access to those healers or can't afford them. One of the biggest high-ticket items in the world today is remote healing, but some sessions cost hundreds to even thousands of dollars. And for only $10, the Healing Temple is a collective space for people to come together every Friday for 30 minutes. Participants are opening a wellspring of abilities, alleviating stress and brain fog, where the mind becomes more optimized and performance-based, and where you learn to utilize energy to up-level your consciousness. The Healing Temple also helps to break down walls where you begin operating in awareness of wellness, feeling ambitious and inspired like things are really changing in your life. Inside the Healing Temple, you're also stepping into a world where you might experience phenomenons that you thought wasn't possible. Something as small as a chill or the hair standing on the back of your neck becomes like an opening door. Some members have even said they've experienced increased psychic abilities and that these sensations have intensified with following sessions. I've trained my powers to impact change and I've learned how to get results. Who doesn't want to feel good? The Healing Temple is not only beneficial to you, but also to those around you. Because when you're feeling good, you shine that positive energy onto others. Your partner, your children, co-workers, even your dog or your cat. Everyone around you begins to feel better because you are feeling better. It's a rippling effect that's much needed on this planet. We need the Healing Temple more than ever right now because of all of that's happening in the world, the social political structures, calamities, chaos, and feelings of hopelessness and despair. The social climate is on high and this pressure cooker is taking a negative toll on how many of us feel. The Healing Temple offers comfort on a global level because when more people are feeling good, the more kindness, generosity, and realness is generated. For only $10, I invite you to become part of the community that seeks to do good, to feel good, and to make this world a better place. Go to shamandurek.com and click the Healing Temple to join our wellspring of healing, restoration, and elevated consciousness. See you in the temple. Thank you so much for tuning in to Ancient Wisdom Today podcast. Tribe, I love you all so much. 
And if you want to stay connected, be sure to check me out on IG at Shaman Durek. And if you have any questions whatsoever, please visit shamandurek.com or contact info at shamandurek.com to learn more. And remember, tribe, no matter what, stay lit. <laughs>